0: This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course. Novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers, to name just a few. Plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com Hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right. Just $6. Jessica Brody.com slash Hank. You're listening to the author stories podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers:
1: Margaret White, Terry Brooks, Brooks, Sheena Kamal,
0: Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Doctor O., Brandon Robin Robert Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Charlene Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is. Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Pam Jenoff on the show. Uh, She returns to the show today to talk about her new book, The Woman with the Blue Star. If you remember, Pam was on the show a couple of years ago talking about her new book at the time, uh, The Orphan's Tale, and what an amazing book that was, and if you loved that book, which I know you did. Uh, This is a must have in your to be read pile for sure. Uh, Today when we're recording, this is actually book release day for the woman with the blue star. So when you're hearing this, you can run out and grab it uh, today. So uh, welcome back to the show, Pam.
1: Thanks, Hank. Thanks so much for having me back.
0: Oh, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, So Pam, I, You know, this is kind of a a weird time to be uh, to be launching a book. Um, You know, uh, we're almost halfway through with 2021 now and the world is opening up a little more and maybe we're seeing some some light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, what's the last year, year and a half been like for you?
1: Uh, Well, like everyone else, it was, it was just so unexpected and so extraordinary. So, um, I was actually writing this book, the woman with the blue star, um, sort of through 2019. And just to give you some context in late 2019, I turned in a version of this book that was just all wrong. And so when my trusted editor said, eh, I had to go back to the drawing board. And so, as we were rounding 2019 into 2020, I was on this crazy attempt to revise and rewrite 90% of the book in five months. So I was going along and I decided for the revision that I needed a research trip to Krakow, Poland. And Krakow is where the book is set. I once lived in Krakow for a few years, but it's been a long, long time. So I was I was planning my first trip back to Krakow in, 25 years uh, when, um, I, you know, and I, I, I planned the trip and I booked it for March 11th, 2020. And of course, oh, everyone wow. will recognize the unfortunate timing. So as the pandemic started and things were getting a little dicier, people were saying to me, oh, I don't know about that trip. And I said, I'm going, I'm going. And then, of course, the world shut down. Um, the flights were canceled on March 11th. And I'm glad they were because I wound up with an emergency appendectomy on March 12th. So I uh, would have been in the air over Poland. But all of this is to say I was in the thick of writing this book when the world suddenly screeched to a halt for all of us. And we had to figure out to do how to do everything all over again. And what was really poignant for me is this is a book about people who were in isolation and seeking human connection. And this was just a really resonant time to be writing about that subject.
0: You know, Pam, I thought that 2020 was uh, was bad for me and, and having COVID was bad, but I did not have an emergency appendectomy. So um, you, you got one up on me there.
1: I, I'm so sorry to hear you. Had, <laughs> you had COVID. We, I hope you're okay. We did not. Oh, yeah been okay um I, I use the phrase like we're okay in all the ways that matter you know right, that right. we're all home and we're all healthy it was just that i came home from the hospital and no one ever left the house again
0: isn't that the truth isn't that the truth um wow uh so the you know working on rewriting this book um what was that feeling like when 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 you had that uh you know the the interaction with your editor that that you knew that that the book needed more work um it does that ever get easier you know as you publish more and more books do, does it ever get easier to to receive that kind of feedback and and oh, i um i'm actually not finished with this book
1: Well, you know, I'm someone who always needs a lot of editing. I'm not someone who turns in a a perfect book by any stretch. The point when I turn it in, it's pretty much done, but I know it needs a little something. Um, But this is my 11th book. And never before have I had the experience of, you know, Just turning in a book that just did not work in its entirety. I mean, that was, that was the game changer. So I remember it was about November, December of 2019. And just to give you the visual, I was on the way home from somewhere and I stopped to take my editor's call and I needed somewhere quiet and somewhere I could write. So I wound up in a Bob Evans, if you can imagine the first time (laughs) I've ever been in one sitting by myself in a booth with my notebook, you know, when I'm getting all of this and it may have been, you know, we don't go to restaurants anymore with all of this, but uh, you know, back in the day, that's what it was. And getting this this really hard message of like you have to re- basically rewrite the whole book, which had never happened to me before. And so, I did a lot of hand wringing for about ten minutes, and then I thought of a, a quote. I'm going to mess up the quote, but roughly paraphrasing from The Godfather, where they said, "This is the business we have chosen." And I thought, well, yeah, this is the business we've chosen to to write and to rewrite. So then I just kind of, you know got to it.
0: wow. you, you um you write historical fiction, uh, and you know when when you're dealing with um, subjects and time periods that are that are true that that they're that they are factual, we can we can go back and put our finger uh, on, on these events, you you know, so to speak. Um, but you're telling stories about filling in cracks that, that we don't necessarily know, but you're helping to tell a true story, but with added color and flavor that's, that's, that's put in from your imagination. Um, what was it that, that first drew you to, uh, historical fiction?
1: So let me say this. I'm going to put it even a little further along the, okay. sp- the spectrum toward the fiction side. Um, it just to be you know to be completely transparent about it. So I don't seek to write real people stories. I hear a bit of history that inspires me. Um, in the case of the woman with the blue star, it's an incredible true story of Jewish people who evaded the Nazis by hiding in a sewer and not just like escaping through a sewer, but hiding and living in that sewer for over a year. So I was captivated by their stories and I decided to set my story in the in the sewer. Um, So. I try very hard to be true to the detail and true to the conditions and, and all of those things. However, I'm not writing about any one of those people, you know, I don't feel that their story is mine to tell. Rather I'm writing about fictitious people that were in my characters are inspired by the real people.
0: When you, um, you said, you lived in Poland for a while, um, as you mentioned earlier. Um, is that when your love of, of this time period and, and these stories, is, is that when it came alive? Or um, can you put your finger on a certain time or event that that led you to the point of, okay, okay th- this is what I want to do. I want to tell these types of stories.
1: Very much so. So I was sent to Krakow, Poland as a diplomat for the U.S. State Department in 1996. So that's 25 years ago that I went over there. Um, And when I got to Poland... Uh, What I found was that there were many issues from World War II that the Poles had simply never been able to resolve during communism when they had no free speech and no ability to interact with the West. And so these things were just coming to the forefront in the 1990s. And I went to Poland, I'm Jewish, and was alone in living there. And I gravitated toward the surviving Jewish community, the survivors who still lived in that part of the world. And I became very close to them. And so the U.S. government saw my relationship with the people and gave me responsibility for that portfolio of kind of Holocaust or post-Holocaust issues. And that was my job for well over two years. So I was very moved and transformed by the years that I lived there and the work that I did and the people I met. And that's what has driven me to write these books.
0: I was at my uh, my daughter's house a, a couple of weeks ago, and a, a movie came on TV. It, it was it's one of those times where, you know, the, the, the TV's just kind of on in the corner. No one's really watching it, but then something comes on, and everyone gets drawn into it. Uh, it was one of those types of situations, and the movie that came on was um, The Zookeeper's Wife, I think it was called, and I, I, I may mean, not be... Uh, I may not have that right, um, but it was uh, it was about uh, this little town in Poland, and that uh, that there was a a, a zookeeper and in, in his family, and they started um, uh, hiding uh, Jewish people in the zoo from the the occupying Nazis, and uh, it, it was such a, a, a great story but uh, um and then you you had the the story of the uprising where they kind of drove the nazis out of their little town and the 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 sense of freedom uh that came only you know watching it from our perspective is we knew that then the the communist occupation was coming and and you know the the freedom uh was going to be short-lived uh you know were you talking about the uh for looking at this from the American perspective, there's a lot of issues that that we dealt with uh, societally uh, decades ago that that the Polish people didn't get to confront until the late '90s, like you said, and uh, that had to be, you know, it's it's like a, you know, they say that time heals, you know, all wounds, um, but these things had to still be fresh for the people when when you were there that. That had to be an amazing experience.
1: It, it was both amazing and yet incredibly daunting. So yes. you know, I got to go to this part of the world and do incredible work of, how you know, bringing people together and helping them further these issues and, and learn and teach about what had happened in a real way for the first time in, you know, half a century. But in this, at the same time, um, you had to have really hard conversations about who had done what during the war. And then my personal life, it was a similar sort of conflict. It was such a rich and rewarding experience to live in Poland as a Jewish person, you know, and, and, and live and worship there. But the war was so immediate and so visceral in everyday life when I lived in Poland. You know, if I wanted to have my car fixed by a mechanic, I had to drive past the camp from Schindler's List. So you're living right with the kind of on top of the war, and it was really both rewarding and yet challenging how do i remain appropriately solemn right in light of all that has happened here but not have every day in my own life become a graveyard right
0: um pam when when writing historical fiction you you alluded to the way you approach it and that, that you're not telling specific people's stories per se but, telling stories that may be informed by facts that you know, and then, um you know, imagining what it what it would have been like. Um, was there a a particular story that uh, that brought about the woman with the blue star?
1: So the story that really brought about the woman with the blue star was discovering that this group of Jewish people had lived in the sewer. Now, they were in the sewer of l'viv. Poland. And my uh, story is set in Krakow. So a little bit different of a location, but this was the story. And in particular, there was one very riveting anecdote. One of the young girls who was in the sewer one day looked up and she saw a girl her own age on the street buying flowers. And you can imagine she was so struck by the disparity between her own situation and the girl's situation. And her mother said to her, someday there will be flowers for you. And so it was this this sort of connection between the two girls that got me thinking. And I imagined what if the girl in the sewer and the girl on the street had a chance to connect and build a friendship and what might that be like and how would that change their lives? And that's where the leaping off point comes for my story.
0: So when when you kind of have the, the scenario in mind, uh, uh, how do you start envisioning characters that are going to occupy that scenario?
1: Well, you know, so I'm, you know, you've probably talked to writers who say there are plotters and pantsers. So plotters are those who outline, I'm a pantser and I write by the seat of my pants, right? So okay. I have some idea of an opening scene and I go blah. And I throw these <laughs> down for months. And Someone once called it throwing up on the page. I'm sorry, but that's what they called it. And yeah. You just get all these words that come out. And the reason I'm telling you this is I don't sort of meet my characters ahead of time. I don't do character sketches or anything like that. I meet my characters through the writing. And so I once heard it described that plotters build scaffolding, but pantsers are more like an archaeological dig. You've got this thing and you brush it off and you see what it is. And sort of that's where I get to know the characters is through that brushing off.
0: Authors. I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called Pubsite. Pubsite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. Pubsite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy to use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning professional looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors, authors, Find their home on the web. So tell me about the characters of Sadie and Ella. Um, How did you imagine them? And, and, you know, what was the first? What was the scenario that you had in mind that then these characters come to inhabit?
1: Well, so it's interesting. Even though I'm a pantser, I always have one or two high moments. And high moments are what I imagine being kind of like lighthouses, right? hot scenes along the way that I can see that help me build the story. And so... And for me, of course, the pivotal moment was that these two women were going to see each other through the sewer. So Sadie is Jewish and she was in the ghetto with her parents. Um, she, she's a young woman, you know, she, she's not a girl, she's a young woman, woman, but she was in the ghetto with her parents. And when they the Germans came to liquidate the ghetto, which is essentially take all of the inhabitants out of there and send them to a concentration camp, Sadie and her parents escaped through the through through the believe it or not the floor in the hall it, the hole in the floor where the toilet is um you know they escape down into the sewer into this subterranean world which although it's a temporary refuge has huge dangers of its own right so you've got detection by the nazis you've got drowning you've got starvation all sorts of horrible things to worry about as well as just the really awful conditions and so Sadie is in the sewer, and she, you know, is struggling as things just get harder and harder. And as I said, one day she sees this girl through the grate, and the girl who she sees is a young woman named Ella. Ella is not Jewish; she's from an affluent Polish family. And so, on some level, she's escaping the war unscathed, at least from persecution. She's not being she's not being persecuted. She's living her life but she lives alone in a house all of her family is gone except for her stepmother who's a pretty awful person is and is consorting with the nazis and so Ella lost her family, her fiance, she thinks has gone to the war. And so Ella is very lost in her own right. And when she sees Sadie, she feels this deep connection and begins to help her in ways that will obviously have major repercussions for her own life.
0: One thing that I love about your books, Pam, is that you create characters that are absolutely human. Um, and when you're, when you're telling a story about a group of people that are persecuted and then another group of people who are the persecutors, um, it it's it'd be very easy to, to paint one group of people as just nearly perfect. And the other group of people as just horrifically evil. Um, Yet you you paint with a lot of grays uh, in, in a lot of those areas and allow their humanity to come through and, and their imperfections. Uh, you know, um, are are there any certain things that you that you do as you're writing the uh, the draft um, to prevent, you know, the, the stereotyping, uh, if you will, uh, of the two different types of characters and to make sure that that they are believable and that they they are human
1: so my interest in thank you for that in those complex characters really comes from those years in poland i went over there with very preconceived notions of what happened during the war and those notions were really challenged and tested when i was living on the ground and meeting people and there were a lot of shades of gray and so I'm very interested in the individualized response to, to conflict, to war, um, from from all sides of it. And I want to show, um, those differing points of view. So in all of my books, you know, um, you know, my, my, Jewish characters are going to be flawed, and my German characters are going to be real people. And um, my ordinary kind of, you know, bystanders, to use a a crude term for it, are going to run the gamut everywhere in between. And that's very reflective of my desire to show the war through a nuanced lens, for better or for worse.
0: Sure. Without going into, you know, much specific detail um, about the things that you reworked uh, in the book, um, what were some of the things that that you had to go back and uh, or or what were some ways that you had to um, think of the story differently or think of the characters differently that that in the rewrite process made it more of what it is now?
1: Uh, Sure. So I've had a little bit of time to reflect on that since finishing the revised book. And there were two major ways that the book changed. One of those ways is that I had originally written the entire book from Sadie's point of view, just from the girl in the sewer. And it was my editor who said, well, why don't we include Ella's point of view, too, which was interesting and difficult to and challenging to step into that second point of view. And then the other major change was I had situated a lot of the book in the original draft after the war, um, what would happen after liberation. And while that's a very interesting time and an interesting story, my editor ultimately guided me back and said like, no, let's spend some time in the sewer and during the sewer building the relationships.
0: Gotcha. Um, Pam, how do you how do you approach research when when you when you have an idea for a story, you know, when and where it's going to be set? Um, what are some of the ways that that you kind of sink yourself into the setting and the time period to make sure that you do tell it authentically? Uh, because, you know, another thing that I love about your books is that you include little details that make it real. Um, and I, I can't think of, I I can't pull a specific, um, uh, illustration of that right now, but it's, it's the little things that, that really are immersive.
1: Well, thank you. Um, you know, I'm a historian by training. My master's degree is in history, so I do love the research. That being said, I'm not someone who researches for months before writing. I have one dear author friend who says she has to research until uh, the research is literally sewn into her skin. And that's not me. I do a certain quantum of research before I start writing. And then the rest of the research is almost on like a need to know basis. And I do that contemporaneously, you know, when you need to find something out. This is actually incredibly useful from a sort of, I hate to say a time efficiency standpoint, because sure. the part of my brain that writes and the part of my brain that does the research are sort of different and they work at different times of day, you know? So if I, it's not a writing time, it, I could get research done. And I go back and forth continually for the research, different sources, right? If you can go on the trip, great. If not, there may be books, memoir, photographs, maps, correspondence, periodicals, all of that uh, goes into the research uh, for a particular book.
0: Pam, I think you said that The Woman with the Blue Star is your 11th uh, novel. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Over the course of writing and publishing 11 novels, has your writing process changed? Uh, I, I'm sure it has in some meaningful way, but uh, or, or, or maybe you know some mundane way but is there a have how have you evolved your writing process
1: you know, it's funny. It doesn't get easier. Um, the You know, the the every book has its own unique challenges, and that has not gotten any easier. Um, and, and a lot of my process, you know, the time of day, I like to write in the morning, The being a pantser, a lot of that is still the same. A few things have changed. One is that since the debacle of turning in the failed manuscript, I am now working from a chapter outline, uh, which doesn't sort of constrict me, but gives me me a little bit of a blueprint, um, which is very useful. So that's one change. The other major change is I think I know myself better as a writer now. So when I'm not writing, I actually teach law school and I teach legal writing. And one of the things I try to tell my students is to know yourself as a writer. So that can be everything from the best time of day for you to write to certain words you overuse, right? Or certain proclivities you have. And I think that because I know myself better as a writer now, it helps with the process.
0: The, teaching uh, at law school um, is is a very different practice than writing fiction. Um, do do you Do you need that uh, sort of um, opposite um, form of expression? Um, to to feed your novelist side, if that makes sense at all, that does does having something else to do that has nothing to do with writing novels, does that al- allow your your uh, your thinking side, your creative side to you know go off and explore while you're not focusing on it, uh, if, if that makes sense at all?
1: It makes sense. I'm actually not sure, only in that I have always had a day job, if you want to call it that, first as an attorney and, you know, for the past 12 years as a law school professor. So there's always been a synergy for me and I love both. Um, Writing is very solitary and it's nice to get out there and teach. Um, There are parts of creative writing that inform my teaching when I can bring to my students exercises on how to jumpstart their writing or know themselves as writers. And my legal writing has always helped me with novel writing in the form of revision. So when you're a junior attorney, your work gets really marked up, and you have to fix it in your own voice, and that's incredibly helpful in fiction writing because most of the time, um, you're you know the editor doesn't give you the solution. The editor gives you the problem, and you have to find out how to fix that in a way that is authentic to you. And so it, there is a nice synergy between those two lives, I think.
0: Pam, over the last four or five, six years, um, we have seen an explosion in uh, historical fiction, especially around the time period of World War um, Two. It, it seems that um, we as readers are just extremely hungry for stories about this time period. Um, what do you attribute that to?
1: So I do, I have had a chance to think about that quite a bit. And there's sort of three things that have always come to mind for me. First, um, you remember a few minutes ago we spoke about when communism ended and there was suddenly this openness between East and West. And I think there's a lot of archival material available to us as researchers that was not there previously. And then secondly, of course, this generation of survivors from the war is really getting up there in years. And there's a real impetus to capture and tell stories in now in whatever form we can. And the last thing is this, what I wanna do as a a writer is I wanna take you the reader. I want to put you in the shoes of my protagonist and I want you to ask yourself, what would I have done? And I believe that World War II has such dire circumstances and stark choices that it's just really fertile ground for storytelling.
0: I I think you're right. I think you're right. The new book, The Woman with the Blue Star, is available everywhere now. Um, it, uh, go grab it in your local bookstore if your bookstores are opening back up, and you can do that. Um, we're going to put links in the show notes of this episode where you can go grab it on Amazon and have it shipped to your home. Uh, I'm assuming this is out in audiobook as well, uh, Pam? Yes, yeah,
1: wonderful narrators for the audiobook.
0: love it. I love it. What do you, What do you think about your books being translated to audio?
1: I love it. So it's funny, I am not inherently an audio listener, um, but I always get asked about the various narrators. And, and that's a very fun process. And we have to think about like, well, should the, should the narrator have an accent? And, you know, um, if you want to surprise someone, can you use this? Na- There's all sorts of stuff that goes into it um, uh, that, that it's really fascinating to me. And then I get asked how to pronounce words. And so it's fun to watch the audio process. I'm exceedingly grateful for their talent. Absolutely.
0: Well, we'll put links to it in the show notes uh, where people can grab it uh, at their convenience. Uh, Pam, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, where can they find you online?
1: Well, I am on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. um, But the easiest place to start is my website, which is www.pamgenoff.com.
0: Excellent. We'll put links there as well. Uh, Pam, this has been so much fun uh, catching up. Thank you for taking time to come back on the show.
1: Thanks for having me back, Hank.
0: Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no further than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.